Welcome to another episode of Confiding Confidently, a place where comforting and convicting truths on faith, marriage, and motherhood are discussed. I'm your host, Stephanie Holbrook. Let's jump in. All right, let's get started. Um, I figured since this is the very first episode, I should share a little bit about me. The host, Stephanie Holbrook, uh, the lady who is coming through the speakers into your ears. What gives me the credentials to talk about faith, marriage, and motherhood? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I have no degrees. I have no titles. I'm just a rough girl turned redeemed. Um, I have been through some stuff. So basically for this first episode, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about me and what God's done in my life and um, how I have come to your speakers. Uh, What has brought me to this point where you're even listening to my voice right now. So um, I'll start off by telling you where I started. Um, I am the second born out of five, um, and my parents were um, alcoholic addict parents. Um, I was born into poverty. Um, growing up, there wasn't much of a, a godly presence in my house. Um, I mean, I'm sure we had a Bible somewhere, but more than likely it was a uh, a bookend of some sort. We never used it, it, and I'm pretty sure there's probably scribbling in it and a lot of dust on on its covers. Um, but anyways, uh, church attendance that was not something I did. I know a lot of times when I go and I speak at churches, the first thing I ask before I even start is raise your hand if you grew up in the church. And nine times out of ten, the entire room arms are up in the air and I'm like "Ooh, tough crowd okay because I did not um and if you did oh my gosh praise the lord that's wonderful I am so happy for you like honestly from the bottom of my heart I am so glad that you were able to grow in such a loving um atmosphere and 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 with a God presence then just the name not even so much the people or the things they did but just the name of God. That is just amazing to me. And I just, that is something that I want to instill in my children is that they will always remember God, that that was something that mama and daddy talked about. Um, so as the years went on, I did go to church if we were, I mean, my mom and daddy didn't stop us from going to church. Now, mind you, y'all might be able to pick up on it. <laughs> Some days probably harder than others. Some words probably worse than others. Um, but I am a Southern girl. Like, when I'm telling you Southern, I'm talking about, I am I am talking about, we say ain't, we say yes, ma'am, no, sir, yes, please. I mean, we will bless your heart, and before Jesus grabbed a hold of me, I could bless your heart and then cuss you out in the very next sentence, <laughs> uh, and then ask you to lunch. <laughs> but um, all jokes aside, um, I am, I'm from the South, um, where we just do all things Southern, like our children, they run around outside and nothing but their skivvies, and sometimes not even that, like, it is nothing for you to pull up in my yard and to see naked babies running around, Um but anywho, um, so I am, I'm from the South. Uh, like I said, there was VBS everywhere because here in the South, there's a church on every corner. Um, 
And so there was always a church that was willing to come and pick us up. And mom and daddy were cool with with us going and uh, being babysat (laughs) for an hour or so uh, with five children, you can imagine. Um, And now I will say this. Though my parents were alcoholics and drug addicts, they tried. They fought their demons, but they did. They tried to be good parents, um, but they just, they had their battles that they were fighting. Um, But as I got older, spending the night with friends, going, as soon as I got up to the age where I could leave, I did. I stayed gone. I stayed, spending the night at cousins' houses, at friends' houses, whoever would take me. Um, And because of my parents' alcoholism and their addictions, uh, they were unemployed often. My mom, I never remember her working. Um, but my dad, um, he was, I mean, it, it was really, it, it was a struggle for him to keep, to hold down a job because of his addictions and his, his issues, his demons that he fought. Um, and so we were moved around quite a bit. Um, I mean, there were times when we were homeless and where the, when the family of seven got split up because you know, families who have their own families, they don't really want to take in a whole family of seven. And so oftentimes we got split up. Um, And so that is when the sexual abuse entered into my life. Um, I was 11 the first time I was ever um, molested, and it was by an older cousin. Um, And it continued on for about three years until I finally refused to go over there anymore. Um, And then I wish I could say that was the end of it, but something happens once you're, I guess, um, innocence has been molested in a way. Um, I became very bitter, and I became very angry, and... You know, I always would tell myself, the next time it happens, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to defend myself. And, but when it happens, I don't know, you just freeze. You just, or at least I did. I just froze. And it was just a, what did I do? Why is this happening again? Um, And so, because of the sexual abuse, I became very bitter. I became very angry. It continued on. Um with, I mean, I had been abused by a classmate and by a friend, an older friend that I thought of as like an older brother. Um, and then lastly, at 15, it was by a teacher. Um, and so I got into a lot of trouble at school. I never, I never tied up with any other girls, but I did, um, tie up quite a bit with, authority (laughs) now ask me how my relationship with God is because he is the biggest authority (laughs) the highest authority (laughs) and so that was my and even to this day I still struggle with authority like I just it's like if you tell me I can't do something let me bust the gates of hell wide open to prove to you I can do it and I'm gonna do it in other ways that you said I couldn't do it so um but anyway, so I, I, I did. I was I had trouble at school. I live I like had a permanent girl, when I tell you permanent, I mean like permanent name on the desk in ISS. I stayed in there. I lived in there. Um But then, you know, I just continued on. I just I figured I was doing what everybody else was doing. All the other teenagers, you know, we were all rebellious, you know, I didn't I didn't feel much conviction over that about, you know, 
not um, getting along good with authority or with teachers or with parents or anything like that. Um, But I did, and, and looking back now, I can see it where God... You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I can totally see where God had his hand in my life um, in the past because I can remember when I got my first little boyfriend, you know, like legit boyfriend. Um, and, okay, so I'm just going to say that this, I'll probably go back and put it in in the beginning, like edit and add it in, that you should not listen to this podcast if you have children in the car <laughs> or around you or anything like that. Like, this is not the podcast for children to hear. Um, and I will make sure that I make a note that any future e- episodes that may cover, may get into this kind of stuff, that I will add that little tidbit in the beginning so that we don't have to have any uncomfortable uh, discussions with our children before we want to. <laughs> but um, so I started sleeping with my, you know, boyfriend, my then boyfriend at that time, um, my first real boyfriend. And I was 14. Yeah, 14. And I remember standing in my bedroom and just feeling something. Like, I felt something. I didn't know what. Like, and now looking back, it was totally, it was conviction. I felt conviction for what I was doing. And I remember just thinking, standing there, and I was looking at a picture of me and him uh, at his senior prom. You know, those cheesy photos that they always do at the proms. Um And I was just thinking, like, why is this bothering me so much? Like, everybody does it. What does it matter? Like, it shouldn't matter. I should be able to just do it and it not bother me. But I'm weird, clearly. Um, And I remember picking up the picture and and just slinging it across the room. It busted into a million pieces. My mom got on to me. I had to clean up the glass. It was was a big tirade. (laughs) But looking back now, like, that was my conviction over sex. And I just want to say, and I think we can apply it to any place in our lives, even as adults, not necessarily just with, you know, our sexual acts or anything like that, but don't compromise integrity over someone's insults. So don't compromise your integrity because of somebody else's insults. Because that was what I did. I mean, I was made fun of because I was the last out of my group to have sex. I was the la- I was the last to do everything and 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 I I let that define me. Like I let what they say be the thing that I molded myself into, okay? Well, and then now looking back like I go into every conversation, every any anything that I do, I try to stop myself before I even do it and I and I ask myself, would I do it if Jesus was there with me? If Jesus was standing beside me, would I say that thing? Or would I watch that movie? Would I I listen to that gossip? Like, if Jesus was with me, would I do it? Um, And then, uh, but after all that, all that to say, I, of course, I wish I could say that that was my my conversion moment where I found Jesus and led him into my heart and prayed the sinner's prayer, which, by the way, that's not biblical. But anyways, um, that's a, that's another rabbit trail we can chase down. <laughs> I met Donald, who is my now husband, and um, he was he was rough. He, well, he grew up, and I, I tease him often about it. I'm like, you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. like. But he didn't. My husband is such, he's amazing. He's such a hard worker. Um 
and love him dearly. And so I met him at 15, and I found out I was pregnant at 17. 17 years old and pregnant. Oh, yes. My junior year of high school. And um, I went to him. Terrified out of my mind because I had a friend who had just had a baby nine months prior, and her baby daddy, because that's what we call it down here in the south, whether y'all like it or not, baby daddy. That's what it is when you ain't married. It's your baby daddy. Um, but her baby daddy had no part. I mean, he he just pretty much walked away, and I was terrified. I was like, oh. No, this is what is about to happen to me. I'm about to be stuck with a baby all by myself. Um, and I was terrified. I was terrified. But I went and I told him. And I, I said, um, I remember I sat and I looked at him and I said, I'm pregnant. Yeah, I didn't, you know, oh, I need to talk to you. I didn't beat around the bush. Like, I just looked at him. I walked up to him at, at his work. He was working at a, a car dealership here in town. He was a mechanic. And I just walked into the garage and I was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and bless his heart he just looked at me and he said uh it's okay a baby's a good thing like my husband is such a positive person like it's sickening sometimes I'm like dude can we just come off the of cloud nine and let's talk about the you know how the realist part of this world like I don't know maybe he says I'm a bit cynical and a bit jaded because of <laughs> my upbringing so everything is always going to go downhill <laughs> but um he did he said a baby's a good thing and so I knew I had him. The whole world could be against me, but I had him. And so we went to my mom and my dad. And as soon as I pulled up, my mom, like, because I should have been at school. But as soon as I pulled up, they were outside unloading groceries out of the car. And my mom looked at me and she said, you're pregnant. I mean, just like that. Like, she knew what I was there to tell her. And I just started boo-hooing. And, of course, my dad, he was like, oh, baby, it's okay. You know, he runs, runs over and hugs me and all that good stuff. And my mom looked at me, and she was like, you have to get your stuff and get out. You cannot stay here. I've got three other children. I have got to get through school. And they cannot be waking up in the middle of the night to a baby crying. And I was like, holy mess. Okay. So... I tried, I tried, my husband, well, my, my baby daddy then, because he wasn't my husband then, um, I moved in with him, but he lived so far away, it was so hard for me to drive from where he lived to the school that I was attending, it was about 45 minutes to an hour drive, and I just, I mean, it was like every five minutes I was pulling over and throwing up, I just, I couldn't do it, so I ended up dropping out. Lo and behold, when I say I have no degrees, I'm telling you, I'm coming to you just as humble as humble can be, um, but I have no degrees, and, um, but my husband didn't let me just quit. Him and his father, who I called Daddy K, um, they made me go and get my GED, and so I got my GED, and um, when I was about five months pregnant, me and my husband, uh, or he wasn't my husband at the time, my baby daddy, <laughs> We were still living, we were still living the wild life. I mean, even though I was pregnant, we were still going out and riding dirt road. You know, because we out here in the south, y'all, for, for, for the northerner folks or the folks down in Florida or wherever you may be. If you ain't in Alabama or Georgia or Mississippi, I'm assuming, 
Um, you ain't going to get what I'm saying, but we have nothing. We have endless, endless, endless miles of dirt road in the woods. <laughs> And that is what we would do for fun. That's what you do in small town America, small town Alabama, that where there's no movie theaters, no bowling alleys, no nothing. That is what you do. You get in the car and you ride dirt roads and you drink beer. <laughs> so you underage drink, basically. And so that's what we we're doing. Now, I wasn't drinking because, you know, like I was pregnant. But anyways, um, we were still doing that. Like, just because I had a baby in my belly doesn't mean that we was, you know, missing out on any of the fun. And so... One Saturday night or early Sunday morning, we got in about, it was probably about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning when we finally made it back to the house. And um, my husband woke up at 8 o'clock that next morning and woke me up. And I was like, why are you waking me up? And he just told me, he said, I want to raise my baby in the church. And I was like, still groggly because, I mean, I... We had only had like seven hours of sleep. Not even that. Not even that. I mean, it may, I don't even know. It wasn't a lot. And I told him, I was like, you want to do it today? <laughs> I was like, you want to start going to church today? Like, she's still in my belly. Like, we got three months before we, you know, we got a, we got a good ways before we really got to, you know, start worrying about that. Um, and he said, no, get up, get dressed. We're going to start going now. We're going to go today. And so we did. And I wish I could say that the moment I walked through those doors that the Holy Spirit just fell on me like a dove and I was saved in that moment. That is not how it worked for me, okay? Maybe somebody else's story was like that. Praise the Lord. I'm glad. But I don't know if y'all have caught on by this point, but I'm a very hard-headed, stubborn woman. <laughs> so it took a, it took a lot of, of God... Um, Beating me up against the brick wall, basically. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I, okay, so there, I, I think of it this way. There is a, there is the carrot and there is the stick. Some people will run towards the carrot. Like they see Jesus, they see heaven, they see all the beautiful things that uh, Jesus has to offer and a relationship with Jesus have to offer and they go after it. And then there's some people, people like me, who need the stick. Like you have got to whoop them to make them <laughs> beat them with the stick to make them go okay you know what I don't want to go that that wrong route I'll, I'll go th I'll go this way I'll go the right way you know like there's always there's there's just two different type of people and I am the stick person the uh the allurance of eternity and all that stuff that that did nothing for me it was oh my gosh if I don't get my stuff together I'm headed straight for hell like that is what got me <laughs> and so um after you know attending church and everything like that and and getting into the getting into the bible and really just having that relationship with christ and building that relationship with christ that's when my conversion moment came um i got baptized while i was still pregnant and everything but i think i did it just because we were you know, at the time, our preacher was new, and I think he, you know, like he, I, I don't doubt he had a good heart behind it, but I think maybe he was just trying to produce some numbers or something, so we just went ahead and we got baptized. Like, I don't feel, like I said everything that I felt like I needed to say to to make them believe that I really wanted Christ and that I was really saved, but I don't think my moment of conversion came until my baby, I mean, she was, she was 
born and, and, you know, maybe two years. I don't know how old she was. Uh, and, and, you know, some people can remember the date, the time, what was on TV, everything. Or, or you know, anything and everything. What they ate for breakfast that morning in their conversion story. And that is fine. If you can do that, that's great. I am not one of those people. I just remember I was sitting in our little rinky-dink single-wide trailer that me and my husband bought for $2,000 and pulled into its place with uh, his cousin's flatbed truck. Like, we were so illegal. Like, y'all. I'm tell- When I tell you I live in the country, like, I live in the country. Okay. But anyways, um, but I just remember sitting there and sitting in the floor, Indian style, and just the weight of my sin was on my shoulders. And I was, I was crushing underneath it. I was absolutely crushing underneath it. And I just thought, I can't. I can't do this anymore. I've got to give it to him. I've got to give it to him. And, and I just remember feeling that he was telling me, you know, like I, I, I couldn't understand. Like I had done everything that I had was supposed to do. I had at... I felt like I had done everything I was supposed to have done. I had added church on. I had, you know, tried to watch my mouth. And mind you, I still had a horrible mouth. Um, I had, you know, I had done all these outside things. All these external things. And I asked God, I, I did. I just said, I can't do it anymore. What do you want from me, God? And the thing that I was hung up on was I I wanted to control how people perceived me. The way people thought of me, that's something that I had focused a lot on. And and so I tried to be the prettiest and, and cuz from and I love I love my mama to death and I mean and she'll agree with it to a certain extent. Um I do want to say this real quick. My parents are 2 years sober oh yes praise the lord god has delivered them from that um and we are just we're growing closer together you know my parents are able to enjoy the grandbabies that when they couldn't enjoy their own children and so it's 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 a beautiful thing just to be able to watch it but anyways um back to what i was saying um my mother it was very everything like for love your love or her love for you depended a lot on what you did for her. And so it was, you made her look good. You did beauty pageants. You did dance. You did cheerleading. You did all those things, okay? Now, mind you, I quit everything that I started. I was such a quitter. Like, I started, I quit it. The only thing I would finish was a pie or a pizza. <laughs> and so... um I still held on to that vanity. I was like, I've got to be pretty. Like, I have got, people have got to think that I'm pretty. And, and, um, I just remember sitting there and I just felt God say, give me your vanity. And I was like, what you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> what you mean vanity? <laughs> and, but it, it was, it was clear as day. It was like, give me your vanity. And I, and in that moment, I had thought about how I had tried, there was, you know, a day before that or two days before that, I had, I was putting my makeup on and I couldn't get it to look right. Like, I just couldn't. And because my makeup didn't look right, I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave the house because I couldn't get my makeup right. Like, I couldn't look right it, no matter what I did. Now, mind you, I've been doing my makeup since I was like nine. Dying my hair since sixth grade. And I just could not get the makeup right. And I was like, I cannot go out in town like this. I cannot go out in public looking like this. 
And then a day or two days later, God told me, give me your vanity. And I realized, you know, I may not have been addicted to alcohol or cocaine or marijuana or anything else, but I was addicted to CoverGirl and Maybelline and all the, the, the pretty things. I was addicted to beauty. I was addicted to vanity. I was addicted to being promiscuous and attractive to, to everybody, not just to my husband. I wanted everybody to think that I was attractive. And I just felt, Jesus, tell me, give me your vanity. Give me that one thing that is separating you from me. Give it to me. Lay it down. Let me take this, this crushing weight and take it off your shoulders. Let me help you be free. And so I went into my closet and I got all my blue jeans. I got all my short, tight skirts. I got, I mean, I got it all. I got my shorty shorts. Yes, girl, them Daisy Dukes. I got everything. I got my makeup, anything to do with vanity except a curling iron. I kept the curling iron just because I was like, I don't think that's going to burn. And I grabbed it all up and it took a couple of trips now. But I went outside, and we had a burn barrel. Because that's what you do out here in the South. Like, out here in the country country where there ain't no uh, garbage trucks to come and pick your stuff up. Like, you either you put it in the back of the truck and you take it to the dump yourself, or you burn it in a burn barrel. And so, we had a burn barrel. And I took all my stuff. I mean, y'all, I'm talking about, like, some show enough clothes. Okay. Clothes. And I went out there. I threw it all in the burn barrel, and I lit it up. And I'm going to tell y'all, that was the most cleansing fire. Stunk to high heaven, mind you. <laughs> but I just felt so free. Just absolutely free. And I'm pretty sure the people that drove by was like, she has finally lost it. <laughs> She has finally lost her mind. Like, she is finally just, the egg has cracked. <laughs> but it was absolutely freeing. And so I'm, I say that to say this to you ladies. You know what it is that is crushing you. You know what that sin is that's holding you from wonderful, free communion with God. You know what is holding you back from that relationship with Christ, okay? Maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's wasteful spending. Maybe it's gossip. I don't know what it is. But I guarantee you, if you just sit still for a moment, cut the radio off, cut my voice off, and just ask God to reveal it to you, He's going to show you what it is. And you, maybe you're saying, well, I've been a Christian for so long. I don't have, no, I guarantee you. Because even today, as I sit here in front of this mic, speaking to you ladies, 10 years into my relationship with Christ, every day I sit and there's something else. We're not going to be perfect until we reach heaven, ladies. Every day, sit down. And maybe you're saying, well, that is just, oh, my gosh, that's just depressive. Like, just to sit there every day and think about how you screwed up. No, it is freeing. Because you, I don't just sit there and go, oh, I just screwed up. I'm such a screw up. I keep messing up. No, I lay it at the feet of the cross. 
every day. Now, mind you, I ain't going to lie and say I don't pick it back up the next day because I'm a human and I screw up, but I try it again the next night. God, please forgive me for this yet again. Take it from me. Help me to overcome it. So that was my conversion moment. Sitting in the floor at home. Nobody's there. Just me and Jesus. There wasn't any loud worship music. There was no flashing lights. There wasn't any fog. There wasn't a preacher there to help talk me through a prayer. Just me and God. Just me and God. And then after that, God started using me. I started uh, teaching the children's ministry at our church. And my mother is deaf, and her family is deaf. And so I started a deaf ministry. I started, you know, interpreting uh, the preacher's words and the messages to a deaf um, group. I'm going to edit that out. Um, and then I thought, man, this, this is what it's about. I mean, I was on fire on fire and then I started working with some uh, folks and that was the first time I ever um was confronted with depression and I just remember thinking when she said I have depression I thought well then you must not be a Christian because Christians don't have depression we have joy we have joy in our heart like really seriously like I could go back in time and smack me in my mouth like of course I didn't say this to this lady but I was thinking it in my head um and let me tell y'all God has I have a like I think God gets a little um and Lord if this is blasphemous forgive me but God gets a little ghetto with me because he's like Stephanie you need to sit down and shut up (laughs) because um me and my husband, now mind you, we had gotten married, we had had the baby, we'd had another baby, like in all of this that I'm telling you, I was now on my fourth pregnancy, okay, and I was still thinking, like, I mean, I just, depression, that wasn't something that I even thought about, I was like, no, not me, you know, because I'm a Christian, and then I started getting, like, just blue feeling, not really blue, just overwhelmed. I felt like I was drowning every day, and I just couldn't keep up. And I didn't know what it was because, like I said, it's not anything that is talked about around this town. If somebody has depression, they're labeled as crazy. So for women who did have depression, they didn't say that they had depression. I started crying all the time, and then when I finally had the baby, I just couldn't. I couldn't do anything. Everything was so overwhelming. And when somebody had said, you know, you might have postpartum depression, I automatically shut it down because, no, you don't understand. This is my fourth baby. This isn't my first rodeo. I know what depression is, and I would not have depression. Because, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, cry, I'm like, I'm not wearing all black. And, like, if you was to see me in person, like, I am... Like, I, I am, I was so guilty, y'all. I was so guilty of putting people who have depression in a box. If you have depression, you're like one of those chicks that wear all black and like black lipstick. Like, you know, like you are emo, you know, goth, you're an introvert. Like you, if you have depression, you are not, you are not like me. 
gosh, that sounds awful. Absolutely awful. Like, I'm an outgoing person. I love people. Like, I will talk the head off at anybody that wants to talk. Like, I will talk to a tree. Like, I'm not afraid to strike up conversation. Like, I talk to complete strangers all the time. I'm not shy. Um, and so, for them to tell me, it sounds like you got depression. Like, I was thinking of, of the box girl. Like, the, the, the girl that would have depression. I'm not that girl. I wear bright colors. And... It just goes to show you, like, God humbled me so much in that season. So much. And um, then I started wondering. I was like, how how can I have depression? And it wasn't until I didn't fully accept it until the morning that I almost killed myself. Me and my husband, we run a business together. And I loaded up my kids like I had done every morning. And I drove into town, and on the road that our business is on, there was a, a, a white F-150. I'll never forget it. I mean, telling y'all now, I just pictured it in my head. And he was coming around the curve. It's a really, really deep curve in the road that our business is on. And I was coming through it. And just for a moment, just a moment, I thought, how freeing. It would be to just go over into his lane. To allow the two grills to just collide head on. And I'd be free. I wouldn't be overwhelmed anymore. I wouldn't feel like I was walking around in a fog. And I remembered my babies. I had all four of my babies bundled up in the back of my car. Because it was cold, it was January, and I had had my baby in November. And so, I didn't do it. Praise God. And I remember I pulled up to the plant. I didn't even get the kids out yet. I went straight inside, and I made the phone call to my doctor's office. And I told, and, and, and one uh, a lady that I love dearly, like, I swear, she was there <laughs> for, all, for just about all my pregnancies. The only one she wasn't was my first pregnancy. And I remember I called her and I was like, I'm not going to say her name on here. <laughs> but I said her name. <laughs> when she answered the phone, I said, I'm fantasizing about killing myself. And she said, I'm calling you in some medicine right now. And so that's when I started taking my medicine. Sertraline, 25 milligrams. And I still to this day take it. Um... And But going through that, I remember thinking, like, God, why? Why have you allowed this to happen to me? Why have you allowed me to have depression? And I just, there was something that I'd heard. God protects us from nothing. God protects us from nothing, y'all. But he sustains us through everything. We live in a fallen world. We are going to go through hard times. But there is hope because God is with us. Whatever we go through, we can trust that he, I mean, he is a good father. He is not going to let it destroy us. Yeah, it may burn. It may suck. But on the other side of it, it's going to be worth it. And I love how Paul says in Philippians 4.11, you know, when he says that he is content in all things. We, if you struggle with depression, it is fine 
There is nothing wrong with you. If you struggle with anxiety, there is nothing wrong with you. I'm telling you right now, it is perfectly fine to have Jesus and to need a therapist too. If you need a, a number, PM me because girl, I and I'm I'm ridiculously easy to find, okay? So easy. Find me on social media. PM me. I will give you, I mean, now of course if you are in another state and not in my city, I can't help you much, but I will give you the number to an awesome Christian therapist who has been a blessing to me and to my husband and to our marriage, okay, and to our family. Um, <clears throat> but moving on from that, so I had the postpartum depression, and I got through that with Christ and medicine. <laughs> <clears throat> and then a, a, a boy... That was like a brother to me who I loved dearly. I mean, I was best friends with his older sister. My little brother was best friends with him. It was always the four of us growing up. I mean, we would go out in the yard and we'd kickbox and do all the things. Like, he was annoying like a little brother should be. And then one day I got the call that he'd had, it looked like he had had a stroke. Now, mind you, he's 21. He is healthy. He is a good kid. Kept a clean nose. He was in the army for Pete's sake, okay? And then I got another call. That he had had another stroke. And that he had had a heart attack. And then I got another call. That he was brain dead. And it was just... In those moments, and mind you, this was over just a span of a couple of days, but when you are in that dark, deep valley, it seems like you are there forever. There feels like there is no light. You have no way to judge time. And I just remember, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, you know, and I tried explaining to God, well, if you just save him, this will bring the whole family to salvation. Like, I tried to tell God how to do his job. Like, I could see everything that would come of it. God didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted it answered. And I got bitter. I got mad. And I rejected God. That was in 2017, ladies. I rejected God. I said, I want no part of you. You, you're, you don't listen. You do what you want. You take into no account how your daughter feels. And that is not a good father. That is how I felt. And I'm just being real and honest. This is, this is the place where I'm going to confide confidently with you women. I'm going to tell you the ugly parts of me. I'm going to show you my scars so that I can show you my Savior. Okay? This is not going to be a comfortable, you know, frilly God is good all the time. You're going to, I mean, you know, conquer the world. Like, no, you're going to get both sides. You're going to get that in some episodes. But in other episodes, you're going to get the real, the meaty stuff, okay? Because that's truth, okay? And then after a while, I just, I kept doing, I kept moving through the motions. I did what, you know, a good southern girl, a southern belle would do. I continued taking my children to church and all that good stuff. Um... All the, the, the nice, clean outside the glass while inside I was corroding. And I finally got to the point where I realized I cannot do this crap anymore. I can't. I'm tired. I'm tired. 
and I have a lake that I run around now by my house. And I went for a run, and I told God, I said, God, either you kill me because I'm done, or you use me. But I'm not, I'm not going back to where I was. That's not going to work. I can't do it like that anymore. Either you use me or you kill me because I'm done. I started blogging in September of 2017. Women began reaching out and, and telling me how encouraging my words were. And even if it wasn't like a, a post where I was just really encouraged, just kind of where I just laid out my filth and was like, look, this is, this is my baggage. This is my dirt. What you got? <laughs> it was encouraging to them to see just the realness, the raw, not the highlight reel, because that's what you get on social media. You get the highlight reel. You don't see... You know, you, you see the beautiful pictures of the perfectly posed children and, and the perfectly clean house. Here, you're going to see where I'm shoving crap in the cabinets so that before you come over to the house. So it seems like I got my crap together because I do not have my crap together. Okay? You're going to see the real here. And they loved that. These ladies loved it. Okay? And then in May of, uh, of 2018... I felt God tell me, write a book. And, of course, I was like, oh, I, I got you, God. I got it. Do, you, do, you told me, don't worry, I got this. I know what you want me to write. I'm going to write a devotional. Because that's pretty much what my blog is. It's pretty much a devotional. Um, and so I get to get started on, the, on, on my devotional. And I, I pitch it to an agent in a publishing company. And they're like, yes, we love it. Devotionals are in high demand. We want your devotional. It sounds like you've got some great ideas. And so I sat down to get started on the project, and I could not write. When I'm telling you I hit major writer's block, I mean, it was like I couldn't even write it. The, I couldn't even write A. Like, it was, there was nothing coming out. Somebody, it was like God had turned off the faucet, and the words had quit flowing. Because that's not the book he wanted me to write. I was like a child, like my daughter, she, bless her heart, she is such a people pleaser. Like, I can be like, hey, baby, I call her name, and she'll run in here, and I'll say, hey, can you get me? And she's gone before I've even finished what it was I was going to say. And I'm like, chick, you don't even know what I want you to go and do. Like, you're just running. You don't know what I want you to do. And I did that with God. I didn't let God finish his sentence. He just said, write a book, and I was like, yes, sir, I got it. You ain't got to say no more. Your girl's on it. And so I started praying. And while I was praying, I came up um, with a, a thing, wait, W-A-I-T. And each letter stands for a word. I don't know what that, that's called. Is it called an acronym or something? I don't know. But it willfully abiding in trust. That's what I did. When God, he just told me to wait. Wait. Just Wait. And I thought, wait, what does what does wait mean? What does that mean, God? What do you mean just wait? Willfully abide in trust. So that's what I did. I waited. And I prayed. And I quit writing. In July of 2018, there is a face a women's Facebook ministry that I'm a part of and I share messages on. Um 
But at the time, I didn't. I was just listening to them as I went for a run. I don't even remember how I stumbled on it. Like, I don't even know how I got added into the group. But these women, these women were preaching the Bible like I had never heard it before. They were preaching about grace and about encouragement and how we, we, I mean, it was just like, it was reigniting a fire in me. And I was like, I have never heard God speak like this. And I loved it. Gosh, I loved it. it I mean, I just drank it up, y'all. It was feeding me so. And I thought, because in my mind, I was just a woman. I'm just a woman. I have no type of degree. I have no type of anything. I mean, I didn't even grow up in church. Like, I, I'm, I wasn't a virgin when I got married. You know, like, I mean, I, I, was, I was too dirty to do what these women were doing. And it was amazing. I thought, wow, I could never do that. I could never do that. And then my stomach flipped and my armpits started sweating, (laughs) which is something God does to me whenever he wants me to do something. And I know that's what I'm supposed to do is whenever my stomach flips and my my armpits start sweating real bad. And I remember I prayed on it. I said, God, maybe this, no, I'm not, no. That's not what you're telling me to do. Please don't be telling me to do that. Like, please. I started begging. Like, I know, God, I told you to use me. But I didn't really mean, like, use me, like, in that way. But I, I reached out to the leader of the group. And I told her, you know, and I, I just, I asked her, I said, if this isn't, if, if you haven't been feeling this, then it's not of the Lord. And just ignore this message completely. But do you need another lady? And, um. And she messaged back, and she was like, oh, my gosh, it is from God. Like, me and, she said the other uh, leader's name, we have been praying for God to send us another woman. And I was like, holy crap. Like, are you serious? Like, that was like one of, like, that was the second time that I really felt God really speak to me since my conversion. Like, I mean, I just, I was learning but God just directly speaking to me to do something. And so I did my first go live July 13th of 2018. And I have been on there ever since. And I'm going on, it's been a year now and I'm, we've got a, and it's just, it's a wonderful thing. And I will, I do it. I'll do a shout out to it because I believe it's a wonderful ministry for women and uh, it's brave and beautiful mamas. And it is women only, and it's women just sharing God and encouraging one another in our faith. Um, and it is absolutely, I love, absolutely love, 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 like adore. Like, y'all, I'm obsessed with my the fellow leaders in the group. Like, they are my homegirls. Like, those are my rocks. Like, when I be losing it and going all crazy, I just hit them up on the Marco Polo, and they talk me off my cliff. <laughs> they talk me off my cliff. Um but anyway, so went down that, and I mean, it has been a beautiful, wonderful ride, and I'm super excited for it. And then in March, now mind you, I'm still trying to figure out what book it is that God wanted me to do. Well, in March, God told me. And it's amazing because I needed to wait because I had only just opened up to my husband about the sexual abuse that I had endured as a child and as a teen. And I needed to wait. God couldn't give me that book, that story, Prayerful Pray. He couldn't give it to me until I had opened up to my husband. Because then I was able 
one of the characters in the book, his name is Harbor, I was able to tell his story through my through what my husband was feeling. And so, and I actually, I finished the book last month, okay? And it is absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Now, God, looking back, like I said, I wish I could say it's published. It's not published yet. Like, that's, that's, I did my part. I'm just waiting for God to do his. I'm still in a waiting season with that. And that is okay. It is absolutely okay to be in a waiting season. But I tell you all this because God has held me through all of it. Absolutely all of it. And I had not, and if I had not gone through it, all of it, my childhood, all of it, okay, I would not see the world the way I do now. Okay, even though I had went through that stuff, God still held me and brought me through it. Okay, because now here, here where I live, there's there's quite a bit of package stores and there's quite a bit of alcoholics and drug addicts that walk the roads. And now when I see a drunk staggering down the road, like I, I, I've heard other people go, oh, look at that. They shouldn't let them walk in. They shouldn't let them sit out in public like that. But when I see them, I y'all, I see my daddy. My daddy was one of those. My daddy was one of the men stumbling and staggering down the road that just needed somebody to help him. Okay? He needed stability, but it was only the stability Jesus could give. When I see an addict season, I don't see some worthless piece of trash that needs, you know, to get right. Okay? I see somebody that needs solutions. Okay, because these people who are turning to alcohol and drugs, they're not just doing it because they just want to have fun. They are trying to silence something inside of them. There is a gaping hole and they are just falling into it. And the only thing that's going to fill that hole is Jesus. Okay, when I see an angry, disruptive student, I just see a child that needs to be hugged. Okay, they need to be heard. I was that student, okay? When I see a promiscuous teenager, I don't think, oh my gosh, she is so fast. I think, oh, bless her heart, she needs love. She needs love. And the world is offering, y'all, the, y'all, the world is offering these people every other solution except the one that they need. The world offers us these temporary solutions when we need an eternal salvation, okay? Each person needs Jesus. Now, like I said, I told you all of that. I show you my scars so I can show you my Savior. There you have it, ladies. It's going to be a wild, crazy ride. I'm so glad y'all are here uh, to be here with me, to join in with it. And I'm so excited. I've got so many different episodes And I can't wait to share them with you. All right, ladies. See y'all back next week for more comforting and convicting truths. If you haven't, go over to Facebook and give Confiding Confidently a like and a follow for never-before-seen memes and articles. If anything inspires or encourages, comforts or convicts you, share it. Love y'all. Until next time.